Friday, Friday, Galaxy on Monday. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! It's Friday. The weekend's here, and we'll have a kid of me. We'll relax. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! And take off our slacks. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! It's in a rubber house, in a rotten underwear. Hallelujah! What is that, Lil? Twelve hands in a row. Dukes, you son of a bitch. Nobody's that lucky. Now here's your host, the Big Silly. Chad Dukes. Charlie Hotel. Alpha Delta. Yeah, Dukes. Dig it. There, but for the grace of God, do it. Boy, it's your pal, Sweet Daddy James. I have another free Friday episode for you guys. It's a bit of a different show today, but this past week, it was really cool. Over the weekend, you got Toon Talk with Ted and Stu. That show was fantastic. We had our regular Monday night shooting tour. Tuesday, Big Shooter, Gigantor, out at 310 to Pizza Broadcasting Live. Wednesday, we had about a two and a half hour just drunken debauchery of a show dukes wanted to cut the cord we talked him out of it good thing thursday loud goat came in we did the fastest hour in radio and you got a special jeff katz interview sat down with dukes producer of the pope's exorcist i can't wait to see that he's such a good interview such a good dude you really got to check it out but today special day not only is it free friday it is also a country and western extravaganza. We are receiving so many interview requests now, and Dukes is having himself a hell of a time with it. So I have a bunch of music guests here for you guys today. I have our guy Mason from Mason and the Gin Line. Dukes also sits down with Dylan Earl and brand new interviews that nobody has heard as of yet. This will be the first time that we're putting this on the air. Dukes was joined by Brent and Josh. They're from the Broken Spokes. But let's get you started with this. Isaac Gibson called into the show from 49 Winchester. I hope all of this opened your eyes up to some new music because it certainly did for me. Everyone mark your calendars now as Commonwealth Dry Goods and the Chad Duke Show have a big week for you to be a part of. On Thursday, April 27th, it's the return of the Rodcast with Big Shooter, Othello BT, and Handsome Matty Tube Sticks. On Friday, April 29th, we are having the third installment of the Chad Duke Show Short Story Contest with the Friday Night Hootenanny at 7 p.m. And on Saturday, April 29th, Commonwealth Dry Goods will be celebrating their five-year anniversary at the store. So stop on by for some of the great new items available. It's the Chad Duke Show. Very excited right now. Joining us on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline, Monk's Barbecue in Percival, uh, as lead singer for one of my favorite bands doing it right now from the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Isaac Gibson joins us on the Chad Duke Show. Isaac, thank you so much for making the time, bud. How are you? Thanks, man. Doing great. How about yourself? Uh, so good. Not as good as you guys. First of all, uh, congratulations, man. I've been I've been listening to your music for a while and. 
I, I've been blessed where Blackberry Smoke came through town. I saw him at Hill Country Barbecue in front of 50 people. Um, I, Coulter Wall played the Songbird in D.C. in front of about 100 folks. Tyler Childers, the same thing. And I was able to see some of those shows, and I'm like, wow, it's, it's cool to have seen those guys in those buildings, seeing what they are now. Get the very same vibe with your band and all the success that's now coming your way and headed your way is much deserved. Is it as much fun to experience it as it is to just be a fan and watch it happen to y'all? Yeah, I mean, it is. We're, we're, we feel like we're living a dream right now. I mean, it seems like every time we, we come around a corner, there's there's something good there for us uh, to, to keep working towards. Uh, we've really been blessed in that we haven't really taken any steps backwards. It's all just been forward momentum, and it's really started building quickly over the last you know year and a half or so. Forgive my ignorance. Have you played the Lime Kiln Theater before? We have not, no. Dude, I saw the Troubadours there. That is the most nice. – that's the most unbelievable venue um, I've ever been to. For those of you that don't know, it's a little – it's like – I think it's a public park. It's in Lexington, Virginia, and it's an old lime kiln, and it's carved out of stone. You guys are going to have to climb over a stone wall to get on the stage, which is really cool to watch out. Awesome. And you've already sold that joint out. That's going to be a hell of a show. Yeah, man, we're looking super forward to it. That that part of the world is, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's Virginia, but it's far enough away from home to where uh, it's a lot of people, you know, that are just kind of newly turned on to the music. But that that part of VA is really a stronghold for us now. Talk to me about that, man. I'm from, um, I, I was born in Alexandria. I'm from here. And there's, there's the part of Virginia that you're at, the part of Virginia that I'm from. And I and I feel like the, the, the state, the identity of the state is where you're from and i was reading an, an interview you did where people are asking hey when are you moving to nashville and it's like well i don't need to move to nashville like i have everything that i have right now and it feels like where you're from and where you guys hail from is a huge part of the music you're making and the sound and the feel and the the lyrics how important is it for you personally to stay kind of based where where you cut your teeth well i think you know as an artist that 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 really thrives on uh on influence and on and sort of a thing that, that that harkens back to a little bit of tradition i think it's important that uh, you know our, our our part of the world's kind of the birthplace of country music you know what i mean so there's a lot of there's a lot of strong roots there that we really identify with and that we feel like are a big part of what's what's made our sound and shaped shaped it into what it is but there's there's a lot more than that there that's there's a whole lot of rock and roll influence uh stuff that wasn't necessarily the music of the area but it was definitely always present with our parents and that generation and stuff like that but yeah, man, uh, Central Appalachia, it's, it's who we are. It's where we're from. Uh, we're really proud to be from there. And I think that, that our experiences throughout our lives have, uh, in Appalachia have allowed us to remain true to who we are, remain creative, and, and not be influenced too much by a whole lot of the outside world. You, you guys do an amazing job of I, – I, look, I like sad songs and waltzes. Like I like songs that tell a story, but I also like songs I can listen to around a bonfire and, and have a good time and – I feel like there's almost a schism in country music right now, where if everything doesn't sound like Jason Isbell, if it, if it, you know, gets if it starts hedging towards way down yonder by the Chattahoochee, people don't believe that it's authentic. I feel like you guys do a wonderful job of walking that line of making fun songs and also making meaningful songs. Is that something you're aiming for, or is that just happening as sure. the process goes along? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's really, it's it's really more than anything. I think it's just kind of happening as the process goes along, but. Uh, it's, it's, that's, that's the way it's, it's always been for me. You know what I mean? There's a line there. You don't want to get too much into kind of, you know, trope and, and the, 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 the cliche, uh, standard run of the mill country songs. But at the same time, at the same time, country songs have country lyrics, you know what I mean? And I want to write, write about those things from a, a perspective of authenticity, uh, as opposed to writing to them, writing those songs and, and, and using those words because, 
that's what I think a country song should sound like. So I think that just remaining authentic is, is, is really the divider there. That's what separates it. Even if it's songs about the same stuff, hunting, fishing, trucks, whatever, you know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. 49winchester.com is the website. See the tour, buy all the merch and the albums. 49winchester on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Are you going to be irritated if I ask you about a couple of specific songs? No, nah, man, not at all. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Um, brother, the, the, the duality of, of man. Like I, I've struggled with this my whole life. I hate to make it about me, but when you wrote uh, Man's Best Friend, and it's like part of me, you know, I want to raise money for charity and I want to help out my fellow man. I want to be a good person. And then there's the other part of me where I drink too much and I eat too much fast food and I can be selfish and and kind of grappling with that question of am I a good person um, is something I think most human beings do that aren't complete narcissists. And you really encapsulated that well in that song while still making a really catchy, fun song to listen to and I, and I was curious is that is that what you intended when you set out to write that one i mean sort of i guess in a roundabout way yeah uh it, the, the idea for the song was just sort of that you know it's that dichotomy between uh, the, the right and wrong we've all got that inside of us whether right. you're no matter what music you like uh and i think that uh, being able to put it in a, in a way that was that was simplified and, and catchy kind of lends itself to a country song uh, I didn't want to be too awful elaborate, elaborate with it and uh, get too philosophical. So I, I think for me, the best way to deliver a message is with a really simple, straightforward lyric. And I think that's really what the essence of country music is anyway. I think you're right. Um, the other part, the other song in, in, uh, specifically is I had, I had Dylan Earl on the show a couple weeks ago. He's at Arkansas. He writes a lot of songs about being on the road and, and being on the road seems to be so intrinsic in the fabric of country music. And I like Bob Seger as much as everybody, but turn the page is all about talking about how hard it is to be a rock star and be on the road. Yeah. And all I need, I feel like is the opposite of that, where you're kind of celebrating that lifestyle, which is refreshing. Sure. How much is, you know, traveling and being out of your own bed, like part of what you do and what you write? I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's all we do now. It's, it's gotten to a point where we've spent so much time on the road and we've spent so much time touring that we feel as comfortable touring as we do at home. Now it's like home is the exception and the road is the rule. So things have kind of flipped on their head as opposed to how they were in the early days of the band. But it's just something you got to kind of take with a grain of salt. You got to really learn to appreciate it and, and, and look at it from an outside perspective and say, this is really hard and this is really time consuming and this is really strenuous. But at the same time, we're able to do something for a living that, that is fulfilling in a way that I've never, you know, felt in any other job before for certain. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we just look at it like we're super lucky to be out here. Uh, you know, we're still young and spry and able to get after it. And we're just, we're, we're doing it as fast and as hard as you can. Uh, Isaac Gibson joins us on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline, Chad Duke Show. Um, you guys are going on a European tour with the biggest act maybe in your industry, Luke Holmes. I, I read what you wrote about it on the website, on Facebook. It seems like it's an amazing thing. You guys are excited for it to be able to travel Europe with that guy. You're going to add so many new fans. There's no way anyone likes what he does and isn't going to like what you do. I think, I think you know that. But that guy being – you talk about authentic, I, I mean – no disrespect, that's not Florida Georgia line up there. I mean, that's a dude that's sure. doing it the right way while having Florida Georgia line type of success. Um, I just kind of want you to talk a little bit about that tour, like what you're expecting, how that all came together, and you know what it means to be touring with a guy that's doing it the way he is. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it all came around uh, ultimately. Uh, you know, Luke, we, we've known Luke's music forever, of course, Luke being the fixture that he is in the world of country. Sure. But, uh, we, you know, we learned pretty recently that he was a fan of what we were doing too. Uh, we, we noticed he was wearing some 49 Winchester merch during a couple of photo shoots. And I That's thought, awesome. man, there's got to be some intent there. Uh, you know, he, he didn't do that accidentally. So uh, after that, we, we 
we've cor- corresponded a little bit, uh, but it mostly, man, it was just the offer came through for the tour, uh, and we lost our minds, of course. Uh, but it's uh, I'm looking super forward to getting out there. I'm looking forward to getting in front of his fans because it's like you say. I think that his fan base is really going to appreciate what we do. Uh, maybe in a way that that no other artist in the world of of top forty country uh, could do. So I, I think that it's a it's a perfect fit for us. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, so many new cities. Uh, the only the only city on the on the run that we've ever played before was London. We got to do that C to C fest this spring. That was a lot of fun. First year of play. Uh, but this this whole leg of the tour, this whole long uh, month long run in Europe with Luke is going to be pretty phenomenal. We're really really excited. I don't want to disrespect you. I ask you this because you guys have been kind of blowing up for a while now. But when you're playing in, oh, holy shit, that's Dwight Yoakam. Like, does that ever does that get older? I mean, are, the, are these peers now? Do you look at it differently because you've had the level of success? I know you're kind of a student of country music. Like, I've had a couple of opportunities to see some of these just legendary figures kind of in the same proximity. It has an impact sure. on me. When you, when you're sharing the stage with them, is it still something that's exciting for you? Yeah, absolutely. It never gets old. You know what I mean? The, the gravity of that never really changes. Like, uh, it's, it's always the same feeling. And, and for me especially, because I'm one of those guys that if we're playing for, you know, 500 people or 5,000 people, uh, it's always the same feeling before the show. There's always some butterflies. There's always some nerves. And I think that's just because we care so greatly about what we do. But, yeah, the, the being around being around people like that, legends in the industry, people that have really made a name for themselves and have done it the right way for a long time, uh, there, there's no experience quite like that it's when we, you know, like our, our Opry debut, the first face I saw when I got off the stage was Vince Gill. Wow. Uh, you know, and I stood there with my jaw open, like the, the, the weight of that never really, it never gets old. It's always cool to see people like that. Playing the Opry and there's Vince Gill. That, that's, that's something you put up, uh, that you, you'll remember that at the end of your life. Most certainly. Um, certainly. Especially since Randy Travis was around the corner when I turned, <laughs> that was the second face I saw. It's pretty amazing. So, I felt like I was in a dream. I, I don't have anything to compare to that, but a buddy of mine, uh, did bodyguard work for Christofferson once. And I got to watch as Randy Travis came into the room to shake Christofferson's hand and take pictures um, and it was just like the, the the mood was so electric. It was at the same show, and yeah, then you saw Jamie Johnson sitting in the background watching Merle Haggard perform. And it's moments like that. I can't even imagine if it's your show and you're playing the Opry. Um, we keep I got I own a little shop here in Fairfax. We keep Outlaw Country on Sirius on all the time. You guys are in heavy. Like you're like the Beatles over there. Um, have you have you yeah. noticed an impact just specifically from that Outlaw Country audience migrating yeah. over to your work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's already, you know, it's it's a it's a different a different branch of country, I think, or of fans rather, not not a different branch of country, but it's a different group of fans, I think, than what our typical demographic is. Sure. Uh, a lot a lot of serious listeners are uh, uh, older folks. Uh, there's a lot of that, especially on the outlaw in the outlaw country, you know, veins people that that were around for the the real first wave of outlaw stuff, people that remembered when Waylon was still kicking and stuff like that. Uh, so it's 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 definitely expanded our demographic a lot. Radio has, uh, we're you know the Outlaw Cruise, Outlaw Country Cruise. We're doing that this year in February. That was a huge opportunity that came about from the the Sirius station. Uh, yeah, man, it's always cool to hear your music on the radio. It's always cool to have people sending you pictures, you know, of the the dashboard. Yeah. Hey, look what's on. Uh, it's super badass, man. It's it's always always good to to get 
exposure to, to a new market. You know what I mean? I stopped myself from tweeting you one of those pictures the other day. It's like, I'm having Isaac on the, the show. Let's not fanboy out <laughs> too much when it came on. Um, you mentioned the outlaw scene. I've, you've, you brought up George Jones quite a few times as an influence and talked about his voice. I, I feel the same way. And I went to Nashville once and there was a line to get into the Johnny Cash Museum. And I walked around the George Jones Museum. There wasn't too many people there. And I'm curious, do you think just because the outlaw movement, so to speak, has gotten so big and it's kind of found a renaissance and new artists currently that Willie and Whalen and Cash and all those guys, I just, I feel like they cast such a long shadow that unless you're in a hardcore country circle, George Jones is not going to get the credit he's he's done because all of those guys looked up to George Jones and his voice. I mean, they talk about it endlessly throughout their careers. Do you sure. do you feel that way too? Do you feel like he gets the credit that he deserves? Um, I feel like the the, the the younger generation, a lot of people my age that that, that grew up listening to country music uh, on the radio specifically, uh, maybe maybe lack some of that appreciation. But I feel like anybody that's really ever dug into what country music is and what it means, uh, I think I think it's kind of undeniable. You can't really deny George's influence on the thing. He's the greatest the greatest country singer that's ever lived. Uh, and to me, it's not even close. I don't even think anybody can, can be in the same tier. Uh, he was a great performer, uh, amazing showman. He was not, maybe not the best, the best guy in the world when he had a few too many drinks. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but outside of that, man, I think his, his mark on country music is, is larger than I think any mark that anybody's ever left on country music. And uh, I respect him probably more, more than any country artist I can think of. He's, he's really my, my hero. Last one for you, brother. I, just, I appreciate the time so much. I know you got a, a little bit of downtime here. I want you to be able to enjoy it. But the, 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 the question that I would have for you is how do you let your influences, because I hear your influences and your voice and the songs you guys write, and it's it's admirable, but there's so much of yourself in there and where you're from and kind of your own influences. When you're writing songs, how do you balance out, man, I, I love this artist or I love this group so much and I love what they do. I want that to be a part of what I do, but I got to do my own thing. I, I've always found that to be difficult um as just a fan listening to singer songwriters to know how that process unfolds like how do you balance that equation out when you're putting together your albums yeah man i think you, i think you just gotta you gotta speak freely when you're writing you know what i mean with your instrument and with your, with your lyric and with everything like you gotta really you can't you can't you can't let yourself be forced into a particular box I'm, i don't ever set out to write songs and say i want to write a country song or i want to write a rock and roll tune or i want to write whatever the only thing we've really ever done is, is, is write, play, and sing the, the things that resonate with us and that make us feel something. And when you can do that as a musician, other people are going to latch on to it because you're providing them something that they, that's something tangible there that they can, they can grab a hold of and, and relate to, uh, to, you know, and relate to the artist. So I think as long as, you're, as long as you're just being truthful with yourself, man, about what you want to say and the ideas that you want to get across and what you want them to sound like, I think those things just happen automatically. That, that, that blend of influence just kind of happens on its own when you're when you're kind of you know honest with yourself as an artist almost 14 million spins for russell county line brother i mean i don't know how many bands never see seven figures on spotify let alone eight i mean that's that's something you probably got to paint yourself i mean it's a hell of a song but i mean there's been lots of songs that are out there that are pretty good they don't get to that level i hope you guys are really proud of that sure yeah we are man you know it's something that i don't think any of us could ever imagine four or five years ago uh, and certainly would have never imagined when we first started the band. But it's great to see, you know, 
uh, this almost a decade now of hard work uh, starting to really pay off and a lot of the right eyes and ears getting on to our music. So many cool festivals this summer, too. You guys are going to be at. I hope you enjoy all that. Enjoy uh, yeah, enjoy the fishing hole today, my friend. 49winchester.com. Guys, make sure you're buying the albums, buying the shirts, buying the hard vinyl, because that's what puts money in the artist's back pocket. Uh, Isaac, great to hear and find out that you're as good a guy as that you are a musician. Thank you so much. Give my uh, congratulations uh, to the rest of the band. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. 49 Winchester. Check them out. They rule, Jack. It's the Chad Duke Show. The best barbecue in Virginia can only be found at Monk's Barbecue in Parsonville, Virginia. Check them out at Monk's BBQ on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and at monksq.com. It's the Chad Dukes Show. Good looking Friday out there to you, everybody. We are broadcasting live from the Fortune of Solid Dudes, presented by Monk's Barbecue. Very excited right now. Uh, I've been um, listening to this band uh, steadily for the past few months and reached out to them on social media, and they were gracious enough to give us a little bit of time today. Brent and Josh from the Broken Spokes both join us here on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure to have you. How are you? Thanks for having us. We're doing well. Awesome. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's cool to have you here. I'm all the way across the country from you guys, but such a big fan of the music and uh, the latest album is just tremendous, of course. Read the write-up on Saving Country Music and effusive praise. It's getting all over the place. That's got to feel really good um let's start with that i i read in an interview you guys were talking about how much different the band is now and how different the sound is you've put together uh, talk a little bit about the maturation of what you've built in your travels as a band sure no uh i think this band has been around in some shape or, or, or form since back in about t- late 2012 early 2013 and honestly we kind of started out more of a rockabilly outfit than a country outfit to hmm. be honest and, you know, the life of any band is, is on, you know, members coming and going, especially while you're trying to get things going. And again, we kind of started more as just a kind of a cover band, a bar band around the Houston area, playing, you know, little bars and clubs around the Houston area. And, and as we kind of stuck at it and figured out more about what we wanted to be and how we wanted to sound, you know, we just naturally networked with folks and met more people. And, and slowly but surely, we've added members to the band here and there and now. Over the last three or four years, we've kind of had the core group that we have now. The sound and the hours put in, especially in that part of the country, it seems to be, not only does it seem to be a necessity, but it's, it's of much debate. And I, I've heard other bands that maybe have claimed to do what you guys have done, and that's go to the dance halls, go to the honky-tonks, you know, play all the live shows, focus on that aspect. I think it comes through very clearly in your songs. Um, you know, other people have purported to do that and have not. Is that culturally as significant there as it seems to be from an outsider and just a fan of the genre how important it is to kind of you know do the work as people say i i mean i i would think so i mean i i think uh i didn't know that people said it and didn't do it but that's kind of sad but uh i don't want to i don't want to say a lot of fun of it i don't want to say the band's name but it's a band you've heard of and they've been accused of quite often of just you know they're very talented but they just look the part and have claimed to do 10,000 hours in Austin. And a lot of people don't think that's the case. Uh, yeah, I think I, I've heard, I've heard stories of such, and it's yeah. kind of funny to hear because, um, 
it seems like they kind of went at it backwards and probably the smarter thing to do this day and age than grind it out and play a million shows, uh, you know, at a bunch of different places without doing a whole lot of social media stuff like we have done in the past. But, um, yeah, it sounds like genius to me. I'm like, we're the, we're the youngest guys grinding it out 500 gigs at a time. That's, I mean, yeah, I we did it like that ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, we did. We we started out like the 1930s politician. You know, we went to every single town. Like that was the way. That, that's the only way to do it. But uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's so much like a, of a notch on a belt. I guess to some people it is. Uh, and it, I mean, I would say it is now to us in a sense that that we've been able to experience these these really neat and interesting dance halls across Texas that. Um, are just their own it's their own element it's their own thing you know and of course some of the hockey talks and in, in places in austin and whatnot but um i think one of my favorite places to play in this band has been these little dance halls in the middle of nowhere that nobody knows about it kind of looks like green hall you know the iconic dance hall but but nobody knows about it and those are i think the most magical gigs to me at least uh, let me let me drill down on that a little bit I, i'm a ra- i was a radio host for 15 years and i just i did live radio shows from everywhere, it's it's not the same thing as you guys do, but I would have to fill three four hours sometimes, and there's there's literally no one in the bar that cares, and sometimes they're irritated. <laughs> they're, they're irritated you're there because they'd rather be watching TV yeah. or some shit. What that to me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. It was so valuable because then when there were people there, I had such a better appreciation for it. It made the job so much easier to be to sit there and grind it out in that capacity when. You know, people would rather you not be there. I don't know if you've ever been through that, but I, I found that to be incredibly useful in my career. Is it the same way when you're expressing yourself creatively and you put so much into songwriting like you guys do? I mean, 110%, because when you go out there, you, it's a real litmus test whether people actually like the real people that you're playing to, whether they like it or they don't like it. You know, you, you, you really see in their faces right in front of you, 10 feet in front of you, because there's only 10 people in the bar, you know? That's a... Uh, I think that's a a good groundwork to do. Yeah, and, and I, just to jump on that, you know, what you said rings true to us because I think we had to learn how to be – when you're learning how to be a band and you're learning how to play live and you want to be a professional, right, you've got to be able to give the same show, the same energy, the same everything, whether there's a 1,000 people or there's two people, mm-hmm. right? And it's super easy to do it when there's a 1,000 people for the most part, right? But it's really sometimes hard. You have to learn how to be able to do that to the two or three person crowd. And I think the more you go through that, the better that's, that's part of the reason why I think the band is as good now and as consistent live as we are has been because we have literally just grinded out the worst gigs ever for a long time. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I just, we've, we've struggled to get our, our, our head poked up and our name out there. So we've got we got to a point where like man we could play to five to ten people like nobody's business. The, the, <laughs> I mean it's so valuable too because it makes you appreciate it when there's God forbid twenty five to fifty people there you, you feel so much better about yourself. It's brokenspokesmusic.com. Uh, head on over there you can see the tour check out all the albums buy some merch and of course they are on as much as they may not care about it they are available on Spotify and uh, Apple Music and all those places you can find the stuff. Um, the so I read an article about you guys where somebody was there was they had some commentary about oh you know you can't go play in bars and be the soundtrack for drunks forever and it was a compliment it was talking about your maturation as songwriters but I I feel like I've always thought there should be an Academy Award for comedy movies like comedy's really hard to do and you only need to go to a bar and see how many people think they're funny and they're not to learn that and I, I feel like the soundtrack for a good time is 
incredibly valuable and people just dismiss it from time to time as just some sort of carny act and i don't like that do you get a sense to that when you're writing you know western swing dance hall music all this great stuff that you move around to that you can dance to makes people happy no matter what the topicality of the actual song is do you find that to be the case yeah i do i think i think josh would agree um i think that the people appreciate honesty right now in music Right. And, and I think what we wanted to do with this band from the get go was say, let's take the, the original recipe of, of the country and the Western string, all the roots music, right? The Western roots music. And let's put that original recipe to work. Let's not kind of necessarily bastardize it with our thought of what it should be. Let, let's kind of take that recipe and then we'll put it to work kind of in a modern setting, a modern way, a modern delivery. And I think that's kind of what we were hoping. You know, everyone says they want to hear that, right? We want this. We want traditional. We want we want real country. And our thing was like, well, okay, we're going to give it to you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you're you're being honest with us because we're going to give it to you and we're going to find out. Mm. And and the the back half of that too is is we play music that we like to listen to also, you know. And it's, sure. it's more about that. There's just playing the stuff that we like to listen to, and apparently some other people like to listen to it too. So we all get together at the dance hall on the weekends. So. It's, it's fantastic. Do do you feel like do you feel like there's more of an audience for the style of music? I I always feel like there's there's pushback. The reason why the the UFC has become so popular is because you know there's so many dance and singing shows on television right now. It's like this counterculture thing yet glam rock turns into grunge rock which turns into you know pop or what have you and i feel like the country music is it's cliche to just you know shit on all the artists on the radio and it's some of it is very very accurate some of it i think is lazy i think there's decent acts that are on the radio but a lot of it isn't what i'm looking for as a country and western music fan that's why i think i'm i'm out looking i'm out foraging for for you guys i'm, I'm looking for guys that feel the same way do you feel there are more people like that because of the state of the mainstream genre right now yeah i, I absolutely do in the sense that especially with country music because it it hasn't it hasn't evolved into more country it's just involved into basically different genres and split out and thanks god I'm brooks yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the beginning of the end when he flew in with a with a wire and a, and a microphone. On like Sean Michaels, <laughs> I completely agree. And, God, and the guy's so incredibly talented, but that was the beginning of the popification of it all. <laughs> yep, it was. So, it looked like WrestleMania. It did not look like a country. It did not look like a George Strait show. I can tell you that right now. Um, right. Well, and there's a there's a there's a revival going on, right? And, sure. and I think it's it's twofold, right? It's because the the mainstream has gotten so. And again, it, it's not that it's bad. It's just different, right? It's gone more in a pop, more in a rock direction, less in a traditional country direction. But also the fact that the music business is changing, right? Away from the old guard of, hey, there were X amount of record companies that controlled all of the distribution, all of the recording, all of the radio play, right? Now, you know, everybody that wants a, a voice has one, right? You, yeah. it's, it's, it's easy to go make a record. You can get on these streaming services and you can be heard. And so now I think slowly but surely people are finding these other avenues, right? Outside of the traditional avenues where they found music and saying, Hey, I, I can go find the, the stuff that I like. Do you, when Taylor Swift leaves country and goes to, to pop or like Sergio Simpson is a genius. I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not arrogant enough to tell geniuses what to do, but he cuts all his hair off, gets into masculine and re releases like a grunge rock album. I, I, I wonder, I wonder how much, how many people view country music as a portal to someone at somewhere else 
as opposed to the final destination. You guys mentioned being a rockabilly band. I'm, I'm always kind of blown away how many uh, punk bands end up, you know, aging five, six, seven years and turning in to country <laughs> music bands. And I, I don't think it's just yeah. the age. Like, what, what a, like, is country music a destination or is it a stepping off point? Where, where do you think it shades towards? I would say uh, destination personally, uh, right. but I mean, it can be both, right? I, I mean, it can yeah, be both. I was about to say, depending like, on where you're, person. where you're, where you are, right, right. It can be. It just, I, I sometimes, I it is, it's, it's hard for me to not feel slightly disrespected when, you know. I, I don't like to name check because I'm fans of all these guys. Tyler Childers, you know, cuts all his hair off, gets weird. Like, I, it, it, they, they start as something and then move into another genre. And I think creatively you should. We should always try to grow and, and try new things so it makes sense. But mm-hmm. I'm just such a fan of um, – I'm such a fan of George Jones. You know, I'm such a fan of all these acts that influence what you guys are doing that at times it's it, – I don't know, disrespectful is too harsh of a word. But it, it seems like um, something that I wish wasn't the case that people could be satiated by the genre of music that you guys are making well i mean yeah slayer's a great example i was gonna say there's two sides of the coin to that i mean you have you have guys like george jones or like you know carl perkins i just saw a thing on him today like one of the things you know he's considered like the the godfather of rockabilly but he didn't change he didn't he didn't evolve he didn't do anything he just kept being carl perkins until he died you know and it's like that's like what what's what's better what's worse i don't know is it good to evolve a whole lot is it good to change maybe a little bit like tailor your style a little bit like george jones kind of did that you know he had the 70s billy churl um, stuff that he did that was a little bit different you know um so i think there's a fine line to walk between the two progressing too much and changing a whole lot or kind of sticking to what people like and also what their perception of what they like and what they want to do versus other people's perception i think sometimes things evolve into something else and people perceive it as one thing that's a little bit different maybe than what the artist intended yeah i'd agree and i I think that the people that say well you got to change you got to have every five years you got to completely reinvent yourself it's like well are you going to tell that to ACDC? Like, I mean, how many millions and right. millions of records? Were, <laughs> right. I mean, ACDC yeah. has sounded the same since 1971 until today when they go out on tour with Axl yeah. Rose, whoever they're with. They got a bright future. I think they'll do all right. <laughs> I think they will. Well, you know, I think that the better you are at what you do, it may dictate that somewhat, right? Um, you know, if you're not exactly great at what you do and you're always kind of searching for, hey, I need to make a tweak, I need to change something, right? You're always kind of chasing it, so to speak. I think that sometimes can be, uh, you know, let's just say a reasoning for that. But, you know, if you're Sturgill Simpson and you're just an artist and you just don't care and you're literally going to be like, this is what I want to do. And I really don't care if anyone likes it. I hope they do, but I don't care. I mean, I got respect for that, too. Yeah. I really do. I mean, on all sides. But, it, you know, it, it's just kind of the glasses you're, you have on and looking at it through. I, I agree, but it's almost like every artist only has so many albums in them. And when, you know, it takes, yeah. I, I, everybody doesn't crank out three records a year. Um, so, like, when you when you get one, you're like, what, what, on, what on earth? You know, Zach Brown puts out an EDM album. I'm not the biggest fan of his, but, like, I can understand people being like, what, what did you just do? And... I don't know. I you hate to give people crap for following their creative muse. Let's uh, can I talk a little bit about this album with you with, with you guys? Where I went wrong is is so amazingly the, the polished sounds like it maybe means overproduced. It's clean. It's it's crisp. Everything sounds great. You guys sound like you're at the top of your game musically, the vocals and I wonder, you, you talk about the repetitions being and doing this live. How much does that matter when you're putting the songs together and getting back into the studio? Because it, it sounds like the full form of a country music band on this latest record. 
Well, it's kind of funny. We wrote this, uh, we basically did all this album during COVID and had been playing a few of the songs live, but because of COVID, we hadn't had a whole sure. chance, you know, much of a chance to play a whole lot of the tunes live. So um, some of them were kind of written in the studio, put together in the studio, but I would definitely argue that it's more important to play it live a little bit more beforehand. I wish we had had the chance to do that. <laughs> Agreed, agreed. I think it helps us a lot with it. Just being able to go in and know exactly kind of what we want to do. And then the time that we spent, it was more, you know, kind of tweaking things here and there rather than trying to figure out like what is the meat and potatoes of the song. Um, I think that totally helped. How, how do you explain to normies, for lack of a better word, a word sad songs and waltzes? Like, how, how can you tell them? Because it's difficult for me to go and say, look, this sad song makes me happy. Like, that's just a difficult sentence to say <laughs> to the uninitiated. Like, what's the best way to try to make that argument to someone that doesn't understand it? I would say empathy. Empathy is uh, when you listen to a song, when you listen to something like um, – you know george jones you know or like like early george jones or early ray price stuff it invokes emotion and it, you know it, it kind of brings out the empathetic side in people whether you've experienced exactly what they're singing about or not you can kind of you can tell you can feel it you're hearing them you can hear it in their voice and i think that that's my favorite part about country music especially the older stuff is invoking that that feeling you know when you're listening to that you're like, man this guy is really he's down and, and you know he's down the bottom of the barrel here but uh and everybody's been there everybody's had that point in their life where they you know they don't feel the greatest you know not every day is a good day and i think that i guess maybe that sharing like the empathetic feeling of it you know, it kind of makes you feel like maybe we're all here when everybody has a shitty day also yeah i don't know yeah yeah i mean you you can connect with it personally the material personally and then like you said, you can connect with the artist personally. If it's not something that resonates with you necessarily, you, it, their delivery of it and their their your belief of them doing it resonates with you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, the uh, latest single, Moved Into a Bottle, it was written a while ago, but man, does it sound good. Now check it out, Spotify, iTunes. You can go to brokenspokesmusic.com. And I got to say, boys, if you're going to be a, in a band that plays honky-tonks, you guys kind of Babe Ruthian called your shot. If you're going to be the Broken Spokes, I mean, you've taken on the Grand Poobah, the, uh, you know, the holy land of, of yeah. going to a place and listening <laughs> to country music. That's kind of painting a bullseye on yourselves, is it not? I think it was maybe at first, right? Yeah. You know, and we've always been uh, a little uh, concerned about that. But I think the reason we named the band, you know, naming a band is so difficult it, when you really get down to it. It just, it just is. That's sure. why there's so many solo artists or like Bob and the Hot Rods or things like that. But you know, it, 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 you know, you know about band. it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, it was already taken. We were going to do yeah. that. But it was already taken. That would have been amazing. Um, yeah. I would have been. This would have been way. Yeah, this would have happened way earlier too. I promise. You, you, would, you would have been canceled so quick if you were the Chad Dukes band. I would, it's a good thing you didn't do it. Oh, we got a there you go. This letter. That's interesting. <laughs> there you go. But if you know anything about the Broken Spoke, it is kind of in Austin, right? It's it's exactly yeah. the same as it's been for 50 years, right? And if you know that part of town, all the land around has been sold. It's literally brand new shopping centers, uh, condo buildings. It's completely surrounded. But they've kind of always been like, look, we're not selling, we're not moving, we're not changing. This is we are who we are, and we'll die on this spot. And so when we thought about kind of what we wanted this band to be, you know, big picture wise, that's kind of what it was of saying, hey, you know, maybe country music's changing. 
you know, but we're going to do it this way. We like the old way. We don't think there's anything wrong with it. And we're going to do this. And if it doesn't work, then we'll down this hill doing it. How do we work it so you guys will, does it, is there a scenario where it makes sense to head to the East Coast and maybe hit some shows up? I'd love to be able to loop you in. I put together all kinds of country music shows in the area with a couple different bands and introducing them to my listeners. I, I love doing that here on the show with you guys. Is there any way that makes sense for you in the near future? Yeah, of course. We're oh, yeah. we're up for everything. Yeah, nice. we're working right now. The late summer on a little run up through the Midwest, but yeah, we're we're wherever it makes sense to come out and go and play outside of the state. We're all for. But you know, Texas being as big as it is, of course, there's so much here still for us to do, even here without even leaving the state. That uh, that we've always been we've always been focused on saying, hey man, we, there's so much we can do within a, you know an eight to nine hour drive right and knowing the size of the state but you know that's what we we focus on until now but um we ever since the the saving country music st- stuff came out we've gotten a much broader uh exposure across the country and so we we would love to come play anywhere that they'll have us and we can make it make sense that guy triggers a unique dude man i got a chance to interview him a couple of years back and i, I don't agree with everything he says but man if there's if you would have told me, I was reading that website a decade ago. If you would have told me how influential he'd become in this community, I probably wouldn't have believed it. But man, he's he sold some records for some bands. And he's a great guy, and his honesty is what is lacking now, right? Yeah. It, all the way around. Like the yeah. fact that you can say, I don't agree with what he saw that he says, that's that's fantastic. I think that he would tell you the same thing is that he's gonna give you his honest opinion and he's gonna give you a lot of reasons why he has that opinion. And then we can debate that. And being a music nerd, we're all music nerds, right? Sure. That's what we, one of the things we love about music, right? Is is why is that very that very thing? And so that's why I've always appreciated it. And I know if he says something, he means it, right? And so uh, that's why we really were, you know, kind of taken back and and, and really proud of, of the things that he said. Yeah, I mean it's it's all very complimentary too. Which is if that's that's an authentic dude, and it's all nice things, it's it's all the better. Um, I love the love the band guys, love the record. It's tremendous. Really appreciate you taking some time. My listeners are going to check it out. Uh, is vinyl too expensive these days to press records? I tried to press something to vinyl about six months ago, and they told me it was going to be thirteen months and cost me eight thousand dollars. So I said, I guess I'll be <laughs> doing CDs. I, I'm, I'm guessing you guys have had a similar conversation with a record pressing plant. It's getting it's getting better. It's getting better, Good. and we're working on it right now. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely something that's that's in the works on the horizon. By the way, we need to we need to talk about uh, what we need to do for vinyl. Add that to the list of things the next time that the uh, the chair of the board can be. Uh, we, need to, we have it all together. We just need to start the process. Like you said, we didn't do this when they first came out. But it was we talked a lot about it. Oh, yeah. Well, all you guys did to do is just wait six months and you'll be able to buy your own plant like Metallica did. That's just inevitable at this point. Save me, James. Save me. It is Broken Spokes Music on uh, the website, brokenspokesmusic.com, at the Broken Spokes on Instagram, and check them out on iTunes and Spotify. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Continued success. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much, Chad. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Our pleasure, brother. Brent uh, Brent and Josh from the Broken Spokes on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline. This is the Chad Duke Show. If you're interested in buying or selling a home, there's only one person you should call, and that's Joe Azer. You can reach him at 571-989-2937. That's 571-989-AZER. Back miles listening to the gish.
It's the Chad Duke Show. Very excited for our next guest. Joining me on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline is a gentleman. The internet's a weird thing. Sometimes it's the worst thing on earth. Sometimes it's the best thing. And you find um, some music that ends up meaning a whole lot to you. And I did that a couple of weeks ago when I uh, checked out Mr. Dylan Earle's latest album, I Saw the Arkansas. It is available now on his Bandcamp. You can find all copies, cassette, CDs, all the hard stuff. And then, of course, on Spotify, anywhere you get all your digital music as well. He joins me now on the Chad Dukes show. Dylan, I hear the, the wheels are rolling. That seems to be a theme for you, my friend. Where are you headed to right now? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, first off, it's delightful to be on the show with you. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm heading down uh, heading down to Houston right now, doing uh, uh, a show tonight for their uh, my friends the Horny Horny Tonk uh, Tuesdays in Houston. They do a Tuesday night showcase at the Big Top Lounge, so we'll hit that and then uh, head on into South by. So uh, then we're heading back home after that, and next weekend we'll be doing a little Oklahoma City, Kansas City, Tulsa run, uh, and then I'm actually home for about ten days, and then it's West Coast, East Coast, and Europe, and all kinds of stuff for wow, uh, you know, just about all the way through until mid August. So. I know all the dates run together, but do you know where on the East Coast you're planning on being right now? Um, let's see. I know uh, a, a Virginia date. Uh, y'all are based out of Virginia, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are coming through uh, Richmond at the Get Tight Lounge um, on, oh, goodness, here we go. Let's see if I can pull this out of <laughs> my head. Pull the up, 20, 25th, 25th of May. Um, I think it is a, that, I believe that's a Thursday night. Uh, we'll be at the Get Tight Lounge in Richmond. Um, that'll be kind of, uh, you know, I do I do a lot of North Carolina dates. And finally, you know, it's been funny. I hit a lot of North Carolina dates. Um, and then uh, I'm usually up in, in uh, the New York area and hit New England. And, and Virginia has always been a little tricky for me, except for uh, for Richmond. But I'm, I'm also trying to play other places besides just Richmond, of course. I know there's a whole daggum beautiful state out there y'all got. Yeah, it's, it's great. And then the problem is, is that the rest of Virginia is so much different than where I'm at right now. And, you know, it's so difficult unless you're turnpike troubadours. Nobody comes to D.C. because I think the fees are so high. And, and Richmond works out perfect. Richmond and Charlottesville. Great country music communities down there. That's where I saw Jenks when he comes through. It's just, I don't know. It's a weird state, but I, I imagine, you know, spending so much time in Texas, I know that you're out of Arkansas, but Texas is like its own. It just traveling from the left side, of the, the east side of the west side of that state, there's so many different cultures and dialects and languages, so I suppose I don't have much to gripe about up here. Man, it's it's this place. You got to treat it kind of as its own country. That's yeah. for sure. Um, there's there's a lot of things I, I I love about it. There's a lot of things I hate about it. But that's just about uh, most places I go, I guess. But uh, I think the only thing I hate about Texas these days is just all the daggum traffic. It's like anywhere <laughs> you go here is just so much traffic. So, but I'm also just spoiled driving around in Arkansas where there's plenty of space to be, you know. But sure. uh, no, I, I I love I love the tight tight knit community here. I've been I've been so fortunate to be welcomed in. You know, into the arc. Uh, excuse me. The uh, I've been fortunate to be welcomed into the the Austin scene um, a whole hell of a lot. You know, playing at Sagebrush and Whitehorse are kind of their their two big uh, yeah. honky tonks like to play. And then from there, there's just about a thousand other places to play. You know, all around all around the city of Austin and, and, and also down into San Antonio. I love playing at the Lonesome Rose down there. My buddy Garrett Caps runs that that spot. So, and Houston has this little scene kind of going. Cause it's crazy, man. I used to never play Houston. And I think, man, I'm driving through a, t a city with more than a million people, and I don't know where the scene is. Yeah, you know, because you can have all the people in the world, but like you're saying, if there's no scene, then 
then ain't nobody going to be out there to see you anywhere or care that you're even coming. So, brother, I used to do I used to do sports talk radio, and we went to the Super Bowl in Houston, and I drove around that city all day, and I don't think that I got halfway. Th- I mean, I've never seen a bigger sprawl of concrete just sitting in the middle of Texas. It was, um, yeah. <laughs> Houston is. I mean, you want to talk about it being its own type of country? I feel like Houston is its own type of country by itself. Yeah, absolutely. They got two daggum airports, and people fly <laughs> across the city. It's crazy, man, but it makes sense. Sometimes it might take you two hours to drive across that city. You know, it depends on the time of day. Man, one of the things about your genre and the type of music you make is it seems, specifically from fans, that authenticity is incredibly important. And I don't like to, you know, there's a lot of bands that people may not like that I still enjoy. Like, I enjoy Midland's music, but people seem to have a big problem with them. They believe they're not authentic. Um you don't have that issue clearly you are living the life that you are singing about and that you're putting your real life experiences and emotions into your songs that always works better i think um how important is that when you're a singer songwriter you're not just you know mouthing somebody else's words into a microphone and learning three chords or whatever it is how, how much more do you think that benefits what you're trying to accomplish when you're putting so much of yourself into your craft well, I, I think I think maybe it's maybe it's a sense of validation is is kind of the first thing that that comes to my mind. I guess to answer that question, it's uh, I don't know. You know, I can't really imagine a life in which I'm trying to to create because this whole thing for me is meaningful expression, and a lot of it honestly is just an attempt to dissect the world around me and to understand myself a lot sure. better. To be honest with you. So, I mean, you know, it, it, I, I just can't really imagine a sense. You know, I see all those the Nashville pop gurus and whatnot out there in Nashville and getting on CMTs and they're singing all these songs and not a single one of them, not a area one of them has, he doesn't even knows how to write a song, Yeah, you know? So that, you know, it, it, that automatically just makes it so feel so inauthentic. And also it's just obviously a lot of time that the, the major tropes are, you know, the, the tailgates, short shorts, the cold beer on a Friday night, you know, the BS that everybody knows already, but it's like, it, 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 there's no depth to that for me. And so, you know, it, it's not rewarding at all, even to write some stuff like that. Like I, you know, I, I, I try to create some layers in what I'm singing about. And honestly, there's a lot of, a lot of lyrics in my songs that are, that are just for me, you know? And like, there's, there's no reason for anyone to know who Joe Caruso is, you know, <laughs> there's like, there's no reason for anyone to know some of these things, but, but, you know, like I was saying for me, it's, it's just, uh, I, I think I think it's validity in the experience sometimes because right. then you know there's there's oftentimes I find myself you know not not to use the word troubadour you know lightly but I, I'm troubadour around the daggum country you know much to my own chagrin sometimes and and uh, I, I think to me it's it's trying to translate those events to um, to other people for sure but but you know also it's it's about validating my own experience myself sometimes and and, uh, and, and, you know, this, this life that I live, I guess that I'm always on the daggum road and I sleep in my van all the damn time. Like I did last night, <clears throat> it's, it's my identity. And so conveying that identity to me is, you know, may, maybe there is a, a small tinge of pride involved too, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, good sure. be. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think validity to, to myself, um, is, is that, and it's like, I, you know, I don't want to waste anyone's time with anything boring or, or any like contrived BS. That's just like, here's some here's the bingo card of a country song. You know, we're like, all right, check. We got the, we got the cold beer, you know, check. We got the truck. All right, check. We got, you know, this or that. So, uh, Oh, here's a Hank song check, you know? So it's, um, trying to, trying to create something beyond that. And also attempting to try to create something that's, that's a little bit more intellectual and maybe perhaps 
stimulating in a challenging sense to the listener to where someone's going to actually have to think about the way I phrase something. So you when you listen to the conversation with, with Waylon and with Bocephus and he makes a, he makes an actual aside about how people are writing on his father's name. And that was 30 years ago. And yeah, it's they're still doing it, man, brother, three decades of name checking Hank Williams. And then it, it almost becomes like a trope. And then I feel like it lessens all of those songs that he wrote at times, at least to a casual fan. What, what you're talking about, though, is your music is deeply personal. And I, I was drawn to it because I love country music. And I feel like a lot of people, they use country as a springboard to get something else. Um, and I, I don't feel either, that way with your music. But after listening to your album for a few times, I could tell how personal it was. Um, and right. I, I got to ask you, I'm a pretty sensitive guy. When I put myself out there, when people criticize it, I, I get bummed out because it's not me you know, making a batch of, of ice cream. It's like a part of myself. So <laughs> yeah. when you're doing something as personal as you're doing and you get compliments or critiques, th does it feel more personal to you because of the topic matter or do you just deal with that? You know, I, I don't know. You know, like there's, there's, uh, you know, for instance, I, you know, I love the Beatles, but I don't like all their songs, Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, you just like, you try not to try not to take it personal at all. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, you know, maybe someone disagrees with me or anything like that. I think that there's just so much room and space for, uh, for, for, for both kinds, all kinds and every kind of anything. So I, I guess, uh, yeah, you know, I, that's, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really considered a whole lot. Um, I've, I've been, I've been fortunate with this record to get a lot of praise, but I've also, you know, even when, when we were shopping this record around, you know, and, and talking to, uh, you know, you know, radio promoters and stuff like that, there are people that, you know, had this or that say, oh, well, there's not enough this in it. It doesn't have this sound enough, doesn't have that sound enough. But I think whenever, basically to, to boil all this down, I think I think if I'm as true to myself as possible, I can I can take any critique. So I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, man, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely get that. Um, you know, being personal and you're on the road right now and clearly you're describing, you know, all these different venues you're playing and going traveling all over the world for country music i mean you know bob seger wrote turn the page there's a million hey i'm a rock star and i'm out here on the grind but i feel like the road is such an intrinsic part of your genre how, how, how much does that mold like a country music artist into being who they ultimately become oh i don't know um i, I think um you know country music has always just been central to my to my identity once again we'll kind of go back to identity there it's always been pretty central to who i am just in, in, from from the it's the first style of music i grew up around my mom was always playing country music in the van we had all the daggum cassettes all the merle and willie and dwight and alan jackson you could even muster up so you know it's always been there and um i, I don't i don't know i you know it's it's uh i think it found me more than i found it and uh i, I think um I, I don't know just being true to myself is is kind of uh it's kind of kept me in that vein, I guess. And, and I do find that perhaps stylistically it is my, my favorite preferred style of music. Although I love R and B, I I love rock and roll. You know, I like rap. I like punk. I like hardcore. I like it all. But, um, country music, I think is just, um, it brings me into a sense of place. I think a lot more than those other genres, just because it's where I'm from. I'm from the deep South and I grew up listening to this kind of music. It was around, you know, all my family functions everywhere that I'd be. And so I, I think it kind of, found me and and, and I, I think in expressing myself that's just the best that's just where it, it's not I, I don't purposely place my experience in that genre other than um whenever i express myself it comes out as that genre yeah 
Well, and I also think that what you're describing enhances what you're making. Like, I, I'm with you. I think my favorite band is it's probably Outcast, which is crazy considering how much country I, I listen to. But all the stuff you're talking about, I, I like that. I can hear those influences. Like I can hear the organ. I can hear all the, the different instruments. I can hear the the bass lines where you say, "Oh, that's that's influenced from something else." But it kind of enhances yeah. <laughs> it, it enhances the the country music that you're making. And I think I I prefer that rather than you know not to take cheap shots. We're Taylor Swifting this thing where it's like we start in one genre and then clearly we want to go and be on a, be a pop star. Not that that's anyone's goal that I'd be having on this show, but. I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like country's been so commoditized, and then also with the way that they've perverted it for the internet, the way that they perverted it oh, for yeah. you know the doing it on um, you know all the award shows they have and the singing shows. That's not when pe- yep. people have no idea what the stuff I'm listening to when I say country music because all they hear is the crap that we're seeing on the Voice. Exactly, exactly, man. I can't tell you how many times I've had, and it's rewarding when I have people after my show that they might have you know they got talked into coming to my, one of my shows or. I ended up there just looking for something to do, and they and I get the man. I really normally don't like country music, but I like what you're doing. And yeah. I usually re- I've started learning to respond. I was like, you probably aren't really listening to country music then, you know, or what you heard yeah. is usually the Nashville pop BS, which is just it's not country. Like you said, it's a commodity. They're they're selling a thing. There's no expression in it. There's no art. There's 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 nothing there except for just something where they're trying to hit some catchphrases, find a find a catchy beat for for honestly a listener who's not really trying that hard. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, and it, that's, that's one thing I do love about my crew is that all the guys in my band primarily don't really listen to country that much. Hmm. You know, they're, 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 they a lot of the guys on the record have played in a lot of hardcore bands, a lot of rock and roll bands, punk bands and, and uh, experimental bands and stuff like that. And so whenever we come together and, you know, they're all fans of country music, especially the longer they've been playing with me, they, you know, we're in honky tonks together all the time. So, like they, they know what to do and where to go, but but usually they don't really have to try because it's kind of I, I guess the song I've written it just kind of directs it in that direction. And then sometimes we get these funny, our fun uh, sounds that just kind of come out of it. That it's like, yeah, that's country music. That's what we made, you know. But it's not how how the people in Nashville would have gone about it in the studio, perhaps, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad you noticed how how whip ass that bass is. Yeah, man, it it sticks out, especially if you're used to just traditional country music bass lines. And it it really does enhance, you know, most of just about everything that you're doing that, you know, is kind of influenced by these other factors. One last one for you, but I know you're coming into town here. When you see what Yellowstone is and the the, the just, just gigantic entity it's become, I don't love every band on there, but Taylor Sheridan clearly chews a lot of the same dirt I do. And when he's, you know, he puts Whiskey Myers on there and they're the number one rock album the next day, Coulter Wall's a household name the day after he goes on there. Like, what type of it? Those are guys that I don't know how you feel about them as far as singer-songwriters. Bingham's actually on the show, but he's elevating a style of music I think is closer to what you're doing than what we're hearing on, you know, 98.7 WMZQ. Um, do, do you spend any time thinking about that or is that something culturally you think that is significant? Um, I, you know, I do. I honestly, I, I've got to, I've got to admit, I, I've hardly seen any of that show at all. But I do recognize that there's a lot of uh, a lot of my peers, so to speak, are on that show, yeah. and the music is being put on that show, and so that excites me. Um, you know, there was there's I had a co-write with one of my best friends in the world, Jonathan Terrell. He and I had a co-write that was considered by the show, and he actually just did a bunch of writing for them. Um, so you're, you'll probably. Uh, here's some JT tunes on, on some future episodes and such, but nice. you know, it, it was just, it was, he, he's gotten to meet a lot of those people that are curating that music and whatnot. And so it's nice to know that there are people that are in the big machine that are recognizing that the art and the feeling is not in the big machine and they're digging down into the real stuff. 
So, you know, it's, you know, like, like Coulter and such, I think Coulter is a fantastic writer, an incredible singer, a genuine, a genuine article, you know, he's, he's not contrived. He's not BS. So I'm, I'm a fan of that dude. Um, you know, the same with Tyler Childers. I think that guy's a very, very important fixture in, in what is becoming very, his music is so popular and it's reaching into the, into the proverbial frat house, you know? And that's, I think that's a good thing. I think that that means that culture is reaching out into places where culture has been pushed out and commodities been pulled in more. Yeah. I think that's happening with this show and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of that. That's a great way of putting it. It's like you need the if you're an MMA fan, unfortunately, you need the douchebags and the tap out shirts because unfortunately they're going to I mean, hopefully they become learned fans of the sport after a couple of years of having Smirnoff Isis and punching each other silly. Um, the album, <laughs> dude, the, yeah, uh, dude. It's fun. It, the, the album is fantastic, man. I hope you're really proud of it. It's called uh, I Saw the Arkansas. I would recommend picking up a copy on vinyl or cassette. Uh, Bandcamp, DylanEarl.Bandcamp.com. Facebook and Instagram at Dylan Earl Music. He's going to be at South by Southwest and will be here. We'll put the dates up for everybody that listens to this show when you are going to be uh, Richmond way so we can all get out to see you. Uh, it's great to hear you're a really good dude, really smart dude on top of being a talented musician, man. Thank you so much for the time today. Man, I'm, I'm much obliged for the time, and thank you so kindly for listening to that record. And uh, I can't wait to see you guys out in Virginia. I will see you there, and I, I don't know what you drink, but I'm going to buy you one of them, whatever it is. All right, heard <laughs> that. I, I do beers. I definitely do beers. I've been known to drink a beer, too, so we could probably accommodate. Dylan, thank you so much, bud. I appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. Thank you for your time. Yeah, man. Dylan Earl on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline. It's the Chad Duke Show. If you want to become a Chad Duke Show Facebook subscriber, it's very, very easy. Head to the Chad Duke Show on Facebook, hit the subscriber hub button, and follow the steps to gain access to the secret supporter group chat and get the bonus show video backlogs. the chad dukes show good looking friday out there to you everybody joining us on the monks barbecue hotline right now is the lead singer for a band that i really am digging i uh, just discovered them recently they are called mason and the gin line you can check them out masonginline.com they got a brand new record out that just came out of what looked like one Hellraising show that I'm very sad I missed. It's called Sangre. You can get it wherever you find good music. Mason Server joins me now on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline. Mason, great to talk to you, bud. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you guys? Man, I tell you what, I'm a big Dirty River Boys fan, and I um, I saw some videos of them playing, I guess, your record release party. And then I started listening to your music, and I was like, Jesus Christ, these guys are awesome. And I started following you on Instagram, and then I got a follow back and said, hey, you want to come on the show and talk about your music? And that led us here, and it's it's great to have you on, man. Really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, man, we appreciate you uh, talking to us. Glad you're digging the stuff. Uh, it's it's great. Uh, Lubbock is a really interesting part. I love the, the Texas, you know, Texas country is a different type of animal. I, You know, the Nashville sound, we've talked about it so much, but I just... It's so it's so much fun as someone that's from the East Coast to listen to just how different music is because Texas is so expansive from different portions of the state. And I love the West Texas sound. Um, the list of names coming out of where you're coming out of is so impressive right now in the industry. We talk about Flatland Calvary and Josh Abbott and all those guys, thrift store, Cowboys. What is it about Lubbock? What is it about that area that kind of seems to be generating so much talent? 
it's hard to say that that question has been asked before and and i i'll take a guess at it and it's not original this has been said before by people even like joe ely that are from this area but i think part of it is that uh the landscape is um it, it almost lends itself to to creativity because there's uh i mean i'm in my truck right now and i'm i'm looking out and there's just churned up cotton field dirt for miles <laughs> there, there's no there, there's nothing out here so so i i think uh we create our narratives to a large extent you know what i mean there's a lot of room for the imagination let's put it that way the the part about country that i like so much is that it can take so many forms and i i like traditional country and i like the classic stuff and Sometimes I feel like people use the genre to springboard their careers into where they ultimately wanted to go. And I, I don't get that sense from you guys, but I do get a sense that it's not, I'm not just sitting down and listening to a Haggard record. You know what I mean? Like there's, I love the brass in the new record. I love the way that you guys kind of use some, you know, some rock riffs and what you're doing, but it seems based in country, which I really do appreciate how much of that is organic in your songwriting process like how much of it do you decide beforehand we want this record to kind of be positioned this way musically kind of take me through your process if you don't mind so we try not to strategize very much about going for a sound you know what i mean like right. okay we want this one to be like uh you know like let me give you an example with within the the band and i know you talked to blaze he's my long time yeah. one of my best buddies if not my best friend he plays the bass right and blaze uh he loves punk music me i i like traditional country i i've been to see you two several times i i love social distortion um so but but the country comes out in my writing because i i am that right you know what i mean i i come from an even smaller town than this one originally about 60 miles from here. So that, that part's very natural, but I think that's what happens is, uh, it's kind of a country quote unquote country guy, uh, that's been influenced by so much stuff. And, and what comes out, I hope is kind of a natural mix. That's not trying too hard to be anything. If that makes sense. Yeah. They always say right about what you know about. And I think, you know, there, there's so, I won't name, I won't name check any bands, but there's so many bands that are trying so hard in your industry and in your genre to be something that seems inauthentic that if you listen to a lot of music like yours you can tell the real stuff as opposed to what's being manufactured so i know exactly what you're talking about another thing you guys do a really good job of man is that that singer songwriter bit where you're telling a story in a in a song that can go off the rails pretty quick and it can get pretty ham-fisted and not everybody can write wreck of the edmund fitzgerald you know what i mean and you guys are yes. um blood on my hands and, and pipeliner of course like you guys do a really good job you specifically i assume writing the songs of telling a story but also it, it's still a good song and that's man i tell you what that is a skill that i, I wish people knew how difficult it was to do something like that yeah you know the the pipeliner thing is funny because i'd be remiss if i if i didn't mention that uh a lot of people think that's autobiographical, and and only only parts of that are true. That, although there are some parts of it that are true, I did not ever go to Austin uh, to to do a, a domestic assault. Uh, you, you know what I mean? I I've, I've been to Austin and and had some assaults on myself. Sure. Uh, from time to time, and some cosmic drunks and stuff like that um, that can happen in Austin, but. I was in a in a grocery store in this little town called Post with a Cuban stripper one time. That actually did happen. <laughs> um, 
I still know the chick. She wasn't. She. I, it wasn't actually with me, so it's it's not even as cool as as, as it could be. But uh, she was she was a a friend of a of a friend. You know what I mean? Sure. But, uh, no, you know we got a that like that song in particular. Uh, that song was started, and this guy, this sort of he's an interesting character. There's a guy named Charlie Stout that kind of mills around the this industry. He lives in Lubbock sometimes, and he lives in Tucson sometimes. And he takes pictures of the desert, you know, and just writes some songs too. He's a, he's an interesting guy, and he heard me play a piece of that Pipeliner song and and made me finish it. Hmm. So um, he kind of helped me a little bit develop where that narrative might go. But uh, it's funny because that song is uh, is by far and away our most popular song, and I have a lot of close friends that don't really like that song. But when they see us play live, they really dig it. So it's been good for us, you know. Blood on my hands—the one you mentioned—that's a Blaze song, actually. Man, he wrote most of that. That's a—I mean, that's a tough one. You got some look, and I—I I mean this as a compliment. But the, your new album, the Sangre album, it's heavy, man. Like you're dealing with some real shit, for lack of a please excuse my language, but for lack of a better term, there. Um, and it's not just like you know, there's loss and there's death, but. I mean, you, when that song, this, this, the, the title track there, you're talking basically about the connective tissue that runs between all people in this world. And, you know, in our country, it feels about as strained as it ever has been with, you know, family members deciding they don't get along anymore. And I, that's a very powerful message. It's also a toe tap and ditty. So, I mean, if, I, if you set out to tackle issues that large with this record, you certainly succeeded on it. Man, I, I appreciate that. You couldn't have said that any any better. It, you know what's funny is one thing that's really cool in this band is I'm I'm by far and away the most conservative member of it. Sure, we get a, we get along, and I think that that stuff is still possible in this crazy place we live right now. I, I'm I, I'm glad it had that feeling. You know, it it was uh, you know it mentions uh, half my people have kinfolk in mexico it's funny because i i wrote that about mexican friends and in the space of time that transpired to make that record i i have married a mexican woman and and not mexican-american mexican-mexican it's like you almost willed it into existence with the song it's easy to it's easy to perform it and you know talking about the authenticity stuff it it we hope that that uh it comes across that way because we we mean it, you know. Yeah. Have you are you familiar with the Mavericks at all? Oh, I love the Mavericks. Love the Mavericks, man. And this record really reminds me of a Mavericks record. I like the, the Vaquero Vaquero music with the brass you guys incorporated. It it's such great and like where Texas just kind of melts in Arizona and Mexico, they all kind of overlap down there. It's you know whenever you watch a Western, all those cultures mesh, anyways. And I think you did a great job with that record. And they they have um. They have a record out called uh, it was about three years ago called En Español, where the whole record is in Spanish, which I don't speak a lick of, but I still sit down and enjoy it from tape to tape because it's so musically oh, yeah. where I need to be. And this this record reminded me of that one. My wife doesn't speak English. I speak Spanish. Uh, we only speak Spanish in my house, uh, believe it or not, but because she hasn't learned English yet. So. Uh, those things are big influences. Uh, the Spanish language is a big influence on me. I listen to a lot of Spanish music myself, and uh, I, I tell people all the time, you guys are buddies of mine that are, you know, uh, white guys or whatever, for lack of a better explanation. 
you know, you guys are missing out not giving a bunch of this music a shot just because you don't speak it because you don't have to speak it to understand it. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You can get a you can get a whole lot of the the meaning of it without even knowing what they're really saying. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's masonginline.com. You can grab uh, anything you need there. And, of course, social media, very easy to find Mason and the Gin Line on Instagram. I think that's, that's where I found the band, but they're on all of it, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and the like. Um, talk to me about incorporating the brass into what you do. Is that, I guess it's more of a technical question, but do you set out saying, hey, I want trumpets in this, or is it an afterthought where you say, hey, we could really use that there? Because, man, I love music with horns, and it's very difficult to find it nowadays, especially in the country music genre. Like, how did that whole thing work itself out? That was born largely of our producer is a Lubbock guy named Eric Harrison, but he's uh, he's in the other band that played with us the other night with Dirty River Boys uh, called West Texas Exiles and, and called such because they live in Austin. Mm. And so we record in Austin, and um, that was kind of a thing where we were we were tracking and getting a sense of how, how these songs were coming together. And uh, Eric said, you know what would be sick, man, is a trumpet. And you're like, yeah, that would be, that would be really sick, right? And, and it, you know, in a town that's as musical as Austin, it's a phone call away. Uh, the idea came, and, and uh, the next day a, a guy came in and, and laid that stuff down. So awesome. I'm, I'm really excited how that turned out, too. I, at first, I wasn't sure how I felt about that, but in hindsight, it's, it's awesome. How did you get hooked up with uh, Zach Nelson, of course, is Easy Wheeling on um, Instagram? He's done album art for Cody Jenks and Whitey Morgan, and he did the Whiskey Myers record. And, I mean, I got to say, man, as much as I love the music, the cover art for your damn record is about as cool as anything I've ever seen. And I love that guy. He did a logo for um, a Veterans Day charity event that I put on about 10 years ago, I feel like now. And he's as bigger than ever. But it, it it's a fantastic job of what you see on the cover. You say, don't judge an album or a book by its cover. Well, you can. Like, what's on the cover of your album actually fits what's on the wax very, very well. Well, I, I wish I could take credit for that one. That That's a that's a, a Blaze thing. He kind of acts as the, the functioning manager. You know, we're kind of starting from – from zero and working our way up. So we'd like to keep our management internal if that's possible to do as we grow. But Blaze found him and and sent me his Instagram. And uh, and he had already affirmed that he thought he could get him to do it. And uh, I saw all that stuff, the Jinx art and all that kind of stuff, and thought, my God, if if that guy will do it, then, then by all means. And, yeah, so – he was at our show uh, last Saturday, and and I told him what you just told me. Yeah. You know, I, I I said, man, that I said half the hype behind this record is that is that cover, you know, and uh, and after the show, he said that it that he said I I believe it fits the cover. I think the two fit together. So, yeah, man, that cover is is so. Oh, it's wicked, isn't it? Well, that dude puts you over, too. I saw his comments on your live show. I saw, by the way, I read about 100 articles about that record release show you did, and everybody was raving. I, you weren't taping that show, were you? You know what? There is there is some tape of that show, and I, I think uh, the same guy I was telling you about, the producer guy in Austin, I think he had it all filmed, Yeah, and, and they're working on uh, doing whatever they do with it, edit it or whatever. Um, you know what's crazy? I'll be honest. I was nervous as a cat for that show because it, it wasn't it wasn't the crowd or anything like that. It was that that was the first go round, 
uh, of us playing a bunch. We'd been playing some of those songs for a while already, but we played the full album, just front, you know, top to bottom. And so that was the first go go round for a bunch of those songs. And we added a, a kind of a utility guy in our live show, dude named Kevin that plays keys and guitars. So it was it was a whole new thing, and uh, I, I think the anxiety uh, helped us because it, it seemed to have a lot of energy. Wow! Everybody that I saw that was there gave it rave reviews, so it must have worked. Um, this is a question I like asking people such as yourself. I, I found you because of the internet, and um, I don't know how you feel about the internet. I, I feel it's simultaneously the greatest and the worst thing that humanity's ever brought down on us. And for the music industry, like, you know, it's if anybody wants to, they're stealing all your stuff, and there's really you have very little recourse. But the other part of that is I found all your music, and now, you know, I want to go to shows. I want to buy records and things like that. So... When you're creating, do you even spend time thinking about that? Is that because at the end of the day, you guys need to keep the cable bill on? You know, you need to keep the powers coming to the house. You need to pay for instruments and gas and the jeep and in the, the van and everything. Um, when you when you think about the nature of what the internet can bring to a band and then also what it can take away, like how do you find peace in that? When when we started this band, all of us and we still do. We all we all have jobs. You know yeah. what I mean? This is actually a, a side thing. So, and luckily, we're gainfully employed enough that, that everybody, um, I mean, we were, we were coming out of pocket and not really caring too much because it was something we wanted to do, you know? And ironically, the further we go, the more the money kind of matters because we're seeing that it's something that could be viable. But, you know, to answer, to answer your question directly, I, I can't help but look at it as, as an, a net positive um, because a guy like you is able to hear it without you catching us at sh some show in, in DC or whatever, right. you know, that w without having to make all that happen, that sets up the possibility for that thing to happen, not the other way around. You know what I mean? Sure. So for sure, the internet is, is all those things you said. I mean, you know, the, the most evil stuff in the world you can find there, but what ever been close to, to as effective in many ways uh, on on being able to gain information, you know, so I, I think it's a net positive. You know, um, we want to we're getting better about making sure that we that we get paid something instead of looking at it as a as a fun thing. We're we're starting to look at it much more as a business thing, and and maybe at some point we get to do this uh, solely as our our business. You know, but yeah, overall I, I would say it's it's a good thing because it 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 gives. You know, our Spotify for artists thing, people listen to this stuff all over the world. Yeah. You know, so that that alone, it's, it's nuts, right? It is crazy, but it's cool to see, too. It's always fun when someone, like, you check out your Spotify and it pops up in, like, Indonesia, and you're like, how the hell did that happen? Like, how did it find its way over there? Oh, like, I know, I know. I know. Who Who's that guy in, in Tibet that digs this shit? You know what I mean? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Um, are you going to press the uh, album to vinyl? I know it's a big pain in the ass and it's expensive, but I, I think, think you got to do it. That, yes, that's in that's in the that's in the plans. I think that's that's already in the works. I just wish that fucking Adele and Foo Fighters and and uh, Toby Keith would stop pressing stuff to vinyl because it it gums up the the works for everybody else that only wants to put out 100, 150 records when Metallica's printing out a million records every time they put out an album. 
Yes, yes, and we already heard their stuff already. <laughs> we certainly, we certainly have. Uh, it's a great record, sound great. Check it out. They're on uh, Spotify. You can uh, listen to the music there, and then I would uh, highly suggest following on social media and all that. I know it's a long trip, brother, but uh, I, I'm not saying we can do it anytime soon. But um, I got a pretty good audience out here, and I'd love to figure out a way for it to make sense for you guys to get out here and do what you do in front of everybody because I think you went over a lot of fans. So we got to talk again in the near future about maybe putting that together. Absolutely. We talked to somebody in North Carolina just yesterday about it. So if we could if we could get enough uh, dates gathered up, we could make a run at it. Dude, let's do it. I, I definitely would help facilitate that as well. MasonGenline.com and Mason and the Genline all on social media. Check all that out. Mason server on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline. Great catching up with you, man. Pass on my congratulations to the rest of the band, please. You guys are really talented. The hard part of doing what you do is the songwriting and then the performing, and you, you got that down, so everything else will fall into place. I really appreciate you taking the time. Man, we appreciate you. Thank you. There's my guy, Mason Server. Great band. It is the Chad Dukes Show. The Virginia Pizza Crusade is on a mission to find the best slices in the Commonwealth. To keep up with the reviews, be sure to follow the Virginia Pizza Crusade on Instagram, at Virginia Pizza Crusade. What an awesome group of guys. I hope you enjoyed our country and western extravaganza free Friday show. Quick little recap, Isaac Gibson. You can check them out. 49winchester.com check them out on instagram at 49winchester brent and josh they're from the broken spokes that's brokenspokesmusic.com instagram it's at the broken spokes dylan earl online dylanearl.com instagram at dylanearl.music lastly our guy mason from mason in the gin line check out their website masonginline.com they're also on instagram at mason and the gin line Special thank you to our guy, Money Monk, the presenting sponsor, Monk's Barbecue, Monk's on the Farm, the best damn barbecue you'll ever eat. Don't forget to check out the Mother's Day brunch they have at Flying Ace Farm. Of course, Mother's Day, May 14th. Get your tickets while they last. There's not a lot left. Our guy, Joe Azer, 571-989-Azer, the best real estate guy around. He'll help you out no matter what. Any questions, you want to talk commanders, he'll do that with you as well. 571-989-2937. Let's not forget about Don't Sleep Energy. That's don'tsleepenergy.com. And use that Dukes promo when you're making your purchase. And our new guy, 310 to Pizza. I've heard nothing but good things. I can't wait to try it for myself. It's going to be a big day. And if you want to keep up with the show, www.chaddukeshow.com. There's links to the sponsors, links to the shop. Get all your episodes. Get your subscription if you don't have one. At the bottom of the page, you'll find the social post. That's facebook.com backslash the Chad Duke Show. Instagram, it's at Chad Duke Show. And Twitter, it's at Chad Dukes. Thank you guys so very much. I appreciate you. We love you long time. And if the good Lord is willing and the creeks don't rise, shoot and tour will see you back here on Monday. Roll out the eater boy. <laughs>